0: Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Motown Megacast. I am your host Alex. Uh, I'm going to be covering all things Detroit Red Wings, all trades, trade talk, trade rumors, prospects, all that sorts of fun
1: stuff. I'm Paul Gasell. I'm another host. I'm going to be covering the Detroit Tigers trades, games, and all sorts of other fun. My name is Ryan Caloris. Um. I will be mostly handling the Pistons
2: duties, but I will also dabble in a few other sports, just just like all of us will, to diversify all of our content a little bit.
0: Yeah, we're a fan. We're each each pretty big fans of each team, but what team we're focusing on pretty well reflects how much we enjoy our fanship of each, Um, and then we're all going to be kind of covering the Lions together, just because we're all pretty big fans of Lions. And just so you guys have a little bit of knowledge of how the uh, how each episode is going to go, we're going to start off with a weekly roundup. Each of us is going to give a report on our teams. Of course, we're all going to end up with the Lions together. And then we're going to go on to a roundtable discussion, uh, usually a talking point that's hot in the community or something a little more general just to kind of spark nice conversation between us. So I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to get right into my Red Wings talk. Um... We're right in the middle of the season, we're about halfway through, Uh, we're starting to get a pretty good sign about how these free agencies are turning out, how the players are turning out, how kind of these picks are heading out. Uh, Over in the SHL, actually, I kind of want to focus on there, the defensive core seems to be rounding out very nicely. We have Albert Johansson and Mo Sider, which both lead the SHL in even strength's goals for defensemen out of the last six years. So you have a Red Wings team who's still pretty early on in a rebuild who seems to already have their defensive core together. Now there's still a lot of work to do with forwards, but I, I think that's a good sign. You have Albert Johansson, you have Mo Sider, uh, Donovan Debrango uh, down in Grand Rapids actually just got signed to a three-year entry-level deal. And that's kind of a big deal because he was a third-round pick this year. He wasn't He's not a big-name talent, but he's already making an impression on Iserman, and I think you see that from that signing. So, great start. But I think the biggest news out of the Red Wings uh, the past couple of weeks has to be with the changes to the draft. Uh, It was up in the air whether or not we'd even see an NHL draft this year. There was talks. Even Steve Iserman, GM of the Red Wings, wanted to push it off to next year just because of the challenges with prospect, just looking at prospects this year. I mean, we couldn't watch half of them because their leagues didn't play. The OHL, the WHL, a lot of them didn't even play. And if they did, it was later. so. But it looks like they are going to have it in the summer, uh, in June. And with that, we have a couple of rumors about changes to the NHL lottery. Uh, Detroit famously has been kind of screwed the past couple of drafts. Um, The New York Rangers, who were in the playoffs, ended up getting Alexi Lafreniere, number one overall. Over a team like Detroit, who had the one of the worst win percentages since the, the modern playoff era. So, a couple of these changes are... I'll start with the one I don't really like as much. It's teams would be limited to no more than two lottery wins in a five-year period. Uh, I get what they're trying to do because you have teams like the Oilers who won like three years in a row or whatever. They're ridiculous. But <sighs> some teams are really honestly ran that bad. And I, I don't think it's fair... Especially, like, this year, we have such a weak NHL draft class. I think it's unfair to cut them out of better ones.
2: Um, Alex, if you don't mind, um, I just wanted to ask, okay, so when you say lottery wins, does that just mean, like, the number one overall pick? Like, is yes. That, okay.
0: Yep, that's, that'll be the number one overall pick that they're limiting. So, like, let's say, let's say they do it this way. Let's say the Red Wings win the number one overall pick this year, mm-hmm. and they get it next year they won't be able to get it again for another three years. Gotcha. You can only get, yep, only two and five. So I don't love that one, like I said, but I get it. I get it. Uh, You want to keep it somewhat neutral, but in a league with so much parity, in a league where drafts are so up and down, it's hard for me to get behind that. Uh, Another was there's going to be a reduction in the number of picks decided by the lottery. Uh, So just a couple less spots. I believe it's down to 10 now. I I think this is reasonable. I, Personally, I'm kind of extreme about the draft lottery. I think it should be three teams. I, I, I hate letting in fringe playoff teams to get the number one pick. I think that's just ridiculous. Uh, and then lastly, what is the last one there? Oh, and then teams would only be allowed to jump 10 spots with a lottery win. So that was kind of the hamper. Like the Rangers, the Rangers were supposed to pick like 14th or 16th overall last year. So they wouldn't be able to jump to one. If they won it, they would have jumped to four instead. So that's the big news really with the Red Wings is not really within their organization. I know it's halfway through the season, but with a rebuilding team, sometimes the offseason matters more than the actual season.
2: Okay. And, and sticking with um, kind of like a focus on like the lower, the the farm system, Um So, I noticed earlier this year, this year being kind of my first year um, really following this team, I noticed that early on a pretty common storyline was just the terrible power play. Yep. So, I wanted to ask you about the power play at uh, some of the lower levels, because I've heard that it's quite different.
0: Yeah. So, it's it's frustrating to watch, especially when they had that 40 game, or excuse me, 40 attempts without a goal I mean when you go for over 40 on a power play you start to get a little you just want change of any sort almost at that point um and it's especially hard in Grand Rapids because in Grand Rapids we have a couple of players who even like Taro Hirose was on the squad earlier this year but he's been moved down and they're just kind of stuck in Detroit or excuse me with Grand Rapids right now you have Dennis Chalowski who is quarterback quarterbacking the power play down there And he's doing a heck of a job. He is just... He knows how to lead that unit as a defenseman. He has some elite scoring. uh, For a bit of a stretch there, he's dropped off the past couple of games, but he was averaging over a point per game as a defenseman. Seven points... I believe it was... No, it was eight points in seven games. That's... It's pretty impressive. And for a team like Detroit who struggles to score, for the life of me, I just... I can't understand why you're keeping these guys in Grand Rapids. I think it might be because... They're protecting them for the uh, trade deadline, but I just – I don't understand it. Gotcha.
1: Now, when it comes to the future of this team, say, like, free agency and the upcoming NHL draft, do you think the Red Wings should go with selling or should they be buyers? Uh, for anyone who
0: really follows
1: the team, this is
0: going to be no shock, but they absolutely need to be sellers. Um, you even see in a couple of the moves – even kind of some of the rumors coming out Steve Eiserman keeps it pretty close to the vest but he said that everyone is on the table everyone that's including Dylan Larkin and Anthony Mantha two of the the core of this team uh, they are on the table now I do I think Larkin gets traded by deadline no no way do I think Mantha even does no I think there's a slim chance but this is definitely a team that's going to be selling by the deadline they're if they pick up anyone in free agency it's going to be to round out this roster because we have so many unrestricted free agents and restricted free agents at the end of this year. It's going to be high roster turnover. They're going to be getting rid of a lot of people. Uh, Bobby Ryan, signed free agency, second in the team in goals, 13. He's going to be a guy that gets moved for probably a third or fourth rounder. You have Luke Glendening. He has the best faceoff percentage in the NHL right now. I see him getting moved for, at best, a second-round pick, more than likely a fourth-rounder. Uh, Jonathan Bernier, um, a goaltender. He's had a heck of a season. He's been the reason the Red Wings have won as many games as they have. You could see a team like the Oilers or, or even the Maple Leafs who kind of need goaltending, even Vegas out there, or want uh, backup goaltending, put it together. So this is absolutely a team that sells at the deadline, and you could see five players leave the team. And I think that's a reasonable—I don't think that's a crazy— five players at the deadline. All right, so— that was kind of the Red Wings. Like I said, halfway through the season, you expect a little bit more news, but out of a rebuilding team like the Red Wings, it's hard to get excited. So we're going to move on to another rebuilding Detroit team in the Pistons. Ryan, do you want to talk to us a little bit about Pistons?
2: Yeah, sure. So when I was trying to decide, like, how, how to open, um, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to, like, kind of go through what's happened thus far in the season because we are also – roughly halfway through so I think I'm just going to highlight some of the some of the main storylines uh, throughout the season this year so the big news in the off season was Christian Wood left um, and they were obviously going to be a team that's little to no playoff aspirations and then once once uh, once we got to the draft they Troy Weaver um, managed to pick up two extra first round picks Obviously, with those, we got Killian Hayes, um, Isaiah Stewart, and Sadiq Bey, and then Sabin Lee in the second round. And so a lot of the season, um, you know, they, they've been deemed the core four. That's, like, the people that are the, the players that they're building around. And then on top of that, they had some, some really good, like, reclamation project-type signings with Josh Jackson. Um, Jaleel Okafor would probably fall, fall under that category. And then later with the Dennis Smith Jr. trade in the year. So essentially, it thus far has been player development, competitive losses, and kind of breezing through this first part of the rebuild. Okay, so anyways, with, out of the, with that out of the way, um, the number one topic that I really wanted to talk about that's kind of like relevant to right now was um, this Sfima Luke and Hamadou Diallo trade. So if you hadn't heard, um, Detroit agreed to send Sfima Luke and a 2027 second round pick to the Thunder in exchange for Hamdou Diallo. A lot of you probably know him from winning the slam dunk contest, but um, he's actually been a big part of the Thunder's like young core for the past few years. Um, it's kind of funny because he was picked, I think, I think it was two spots after Sfee in the 2018 draft and now they kind of ended up both outperforming their draft spots but um but yeah so Hamadou Diallo is a like picture perfect stereotype uh Troy Weaver guy he's a an athletic wing with a big wingspan and um Troy Weaver has been just kind of stockpiling these types of players obviously with the Jeremy Grant signing um they picked up Josh Jackson, who has a plus wingspan, I think. Sadiq Bay, um, and then like Sabin Lee and Isaiah Stewart both have crazy wingspans as well.
0: So, do you think this this trade it it wasn't necessarily about his about Troy Weaver's unhappiness with his play, or do you think it was a do you think it was more to do with the fact that it was just a change of scenery? Or do you think it has to do with the fact that he just fits his scheme better?
2: Yeah. um, One thing I'll say is um, Troy Weaver has not been shy about just getting his guys, the type of guys he wants. So, like, we've seen him, you know, ship out Luke Kennard on trade day. Or on on draft day, sorry. And um, Bruce Brown also, he got shipped out. He was part of the old regime. Um, But, yeah, everybody knows just how quick Troy Weaver turned over this roster and it's clear that he's not done yet getting his guys because um, Troy Weaver was actually the GM at uh, Oklahoma City when they drafted Diallo. So, yeah, he's he's definitely a Troy Weaver guy, and he fits the mold as to what Troy Weaver looks for. So so I think it was definitely more about getting one of his guys, although Sfi has underperformed a little bit this year because his, his benchmark, his shooting, is uh, I think it's down to, like, 33% this year, which – not really what you're looking for and in, in somebody who that's kind of a one-dimensional like that's what they do so i think it was more so wanting to wanting diallo but i think it was good for speed to kind of get a change of scenery
0: all right and then kind of speaking to the the roster changer change up that we've seen obviously derrick rose out of there blake griffin um with the Red Wings, we've seen them sign a lot of veterans to try and mold the team who becomes veteran leadership for a team this young. Like who who is going to step up in that role that a Derrick Rose or a Blake Griffin would have been in if they were still on the team?
2: Well, I think it absolutely starts with Jeremy Grant, you know. They uh, paid him 20 million a year to come in and and be a leader essentially alongside Blake who obviously is gone now. So, definitely, um, that was part of what uh, Jeremy Grant was signing up for, was to be one of the best players, to be a leader on the team. But, um, so yeah, definitely starts with him. I think he's probably who you would expect to really be, like, you know, rallying the troops or whatever in the in the locker room right now. Um, I think, definitely, Mason Plumley is also one of the guys that's going to have to take on a leadership role here, because... Um, well, for one thing, they signed him to be like a veteran presence, and and that's never been more true than now with, with like you said, Derek Rose and Blake Griffin and all these other guys leaving. Um, and another name I wanted to mention is DeLon Wright, because when Troy Weaver signed this guy, he was originally like, he was just going to be there to be a secondary ball handler and relieve pressure from uh from killian hayes um so he he wasn't really slated for for any type of of a leadership role necessarily now obviously there's always players who you might not expect who are like great leaders in the locker room but from like a from a play standpoint he wasn't necessarily supposed to be like one of the top guys but with killian hayes's injury he slotted into the starting point guard role like seven games into the season and you know you can't you know, they always compare point guards to to quarterbacks where, like, they're kind of the initiators and, and they're... They run the offense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so he definitely had to um, take on a role like that, um, kind of involuntarily, but I think he's done a great job as far as I can tell, so.
1: Now, the Pistons are just a couple years removed from a playoff run. Sure, they were the AC seed in the East... But that's one of the better teams we've seen in Detroit over the ca- over the course of the last decade. What do they have to do to even get back to that?
2: Um, well, when they eventually find playoff success, I don't think they want to model it after that year. No. Because <laughs> if we're being honest, the reason that they made it to the playoffs was because Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin sacrificed his knee yeah. for the team. And – it was it was really uh, as much of a one-man show as it can be in the NBA.
0: Well, and I think that part of what Troy Weaver is doing is trying to do the exact opposite that pass management did. He doesn't want to just have short little playoff runs that will sell a couple of t-shirts. I think he's going—he's trying to build a core right now. He's not trying to just go back to the playoffs.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's definitely starting from scratch, and you can—we've seen that just so many times with all the different moves they've made, I think— um Sekou Dumbuya who was their draft pick last year is the longest tenured piston right now so that goes to show kind of like
0: (laughs) he's tearing down yeah what what
2: Troy Weaver has been doing like he is starting from square one that's for sure
0: all right and now after Pistons talk we're going to move into the Tigers with spring training around the corner you want to talk to us a bit about it Paul
1: Yeah, the Tigers have been one of the worst teams in all of baseball for the last few years. A couple years ago, they had over 110 losses. They were the worst team in all of baseball, and it really wasn't even close. Last year, they did a lot better, but it was just a 60-game season, and there's very little to judge off of that. The Tigers improved. They weren't the worst in baseball, but they still have a long ways to go. One of the bright spots of last season were pitchers Tyler Alexander and Casey Mize. However, during the early start of spring training, these two pitchers have just been meh at best. However, one should realize is that they have all pitched less than 10 innings in spring training. They have not done a lot. So, don't look at statistics. Like the NFL, a horrible preseason can end up being a great regular season and vice versa in the batting rotation you have candelario and you also have willie castro who are great bright spots and that's what the tigers have been lacking are hitters that can hit over 300 and if they can get a couple more of those guys like a miguel cabrera to get to 300 average and have a three or four guys hitting 20 home runs with a lawn with great pitching and decent bullpen they can actually get to the postseason but it's going to be a very tough road so you think
0: so you kind of answered my question was going to be about how much stock we should put into um into the tigers preseason but i think you kind of hit that on the head you said i think rightly um We've seen it. I think the NFL is the perfect example, especially with Detroit fans. We're always going to be reminded of the four zero preseason before two thousand eight. Every time, without fail, that's going to come up, and I think that's important to remember. Um, I mean, even getting excited, fans were getting excited about early spring training. Uh, we wrote that a week ago. Week later, they're already with a losing record in the uh, in spring training right now. So I I agree with you there. But so a postseason run you believe is possible this year?
1: I believe it's possible. I say the Tigers have about a 10 to 15% chance to make the postseason, but I put it at less than like 3% to make the World Series or even win the World Series. So you're saying there's a chance? There is a chance, (laughs) but it's like a one every 30 years type of chance, but it is possible.
0: And I think you spoke a little bit of the hitting, But am I right in saying that the future of this team seems to be dependent on that pitching core that's developing right now?
1: Yeah, it's definitely depending on the pitching core because, let's face it, the hitting core, they can't hit home runs. Everybody on the Tigers team is incapable of hitting home runs for the most part. I don't expect to see anybody hit 40 home runs on this roster. I oh,
2: come on now, Paul. We've seen a few flashes in a pan in, uh, in this spring training. Wouldn't you agree?
1: I would agree, but I think 40 <laughs> is a bit of a stretch. You might see a guy or two hit 30, and that's saying a lot. Now, that's fine if you have several guys hitting 300 or better, but these guys don't. So it will be Tyler Alexander, Casey Mize, Buck Farmer, Michael Fulmer, they need to step up. If they can't step up, if they can't have ERAs below 5, really ideally below 3.5, it's going to be a long year of 90 to 100 losses for this team.
2: I think if you're mentioning uh, the young pitching core, you would be remiss to not mention uh, Manning or Scooble. Yeah,
0: yeah, Scooble for sure. Scooble to me – Oh, he's looked of, awesome. I, I, he has continued. I mean, last year, uh, if I I know I'm going to piss a couple of people off with this, but I think he looked better than Casey Mize so far. I think he, I think it's unquestionable that he had a better season now. Certainly, uh, the the spring training too, he has been. Yeah, I mean, Casey by. Mize has had a rough couple of games, and like we said before, it's spring training. Uh, AJ Hinch, new manager, is just he's just trying to toy th- toy with things right now. I get that this is not reflective of the seasons we're going to have, but man. It's exciting to see a player like Tariq Skubal, who didn't necessarily get the love that Casey Mize did, mm-hmm. looking better than him so far. Absolutely, yeah. All right, so Lions or, uh, Tigers talk a little bit, a uh, little bit short there, just because it's spring training. We'll get into it a little more next time as the season comes around. April first, I believe, is home opener against the Indians. So let's get into Lions free agency this is being recorded on free agency the 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 day of free agency we've had a lot of crazy. the legal tampering period yes (laughs) so we're gonna head over to ryan here for the very beginning about lions talk because this man lives and breathes the lions I, i respect it um under matt patricia he found a way to memorize nearly every player on the roster and under matt patricia i had trouble watching every game on sunday so why don't you why don't you introduce us to the lions a bit there ryan all right, well,
2: um, so I'm pulling up a free agency tracker to remind me of all of the uh, moves they made today. But the uh, main headlining one was resigning Romeo Acquara. Yep. Uh, Three-year, $39 million contract. So we got him at a $13 million a year clip, which I don't believe it's just going to be a straight $13 million. Like, obviously, the, the, the contract is going to be structured differently. Yeah. But um, he was – probably the biggest question remaining on the roster assuming Galladay is gone because let's face it Galladay is gone all reports <laughs> lead to Galladay
0: being gone yep so so he was
2: you know when I saw that people were kind of surprised that he didn't get franchise tagged I I guess that just didn't really reflect um how I saw it because I think don't get me wrong, he was, like, a great player. Like, he has the statistics and, like, the the PFF grades and whatnot to, to prove it. But he has had consecutive years in the past where he's played well and then the following year he just kind of disappeared. So this is certainly somewhat of a gamble because, obviously, I, I think when the Lions acquired him, I think they picked him up off of waivers. So So, obviously – Essentially, a free player. Like you don't have to break the bank for a player like that anymore. So now that he's somewhat proven, he gets a payday. And I, I personally am a Romeo Aquara believer. I think that he's gonna be. I think he's gonna continue production. And I think, I have to imagine he's pretty happy about his situation right now. Just, uh, you know, we heard reports he was uh, rooming with Julian Aquara, and now. Uh, Julian Okara is probably gonna get essentially his debut this year, um, and that's you know the same year that Romeo signing this big contract. So it's huge for both of them. I think they really probably just kind of wanted to be in some of these situations together, you know, just uh, further their crew or career. Sorry, because I mean, how many players get to do that where they kind of get to? Yeah,
0: that that's just awesome. The, the two together. I, I mean, that, that's gotta you got to think that also um, makes them play a little bit harder too. But I think what is more important here um, is it's kind of lending into – it's kind of giving us – for an organization that since the change has played their cards pretty close to their vest, I think they're going to show you a little bit of what they're going to do during this rebuild. And it looks like their offensive and defensive lines – are going to be that bridge. Because with with a transitional team, with a team in transition, you can't all have terrible positions. You can't just be complete garbage. That's going to ruin – and it looks mm. like they're going to keep the offensive and defensive course for the most part. Am I right in that?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think absolutely, um, no question, the strongest position group is the offensive line. Absolutely. With – you know, they just have – they have – core pieces uh, almost all along the line you know you could make the argue about the or an argument about the right side which is a little um it's just not solved it's unsolved with uh vitai you know we don't know if he's gonna swing into guard or kick out to tackle um tyrell crosby played a lot better than everybody kind of thought he would or i guess better than i thought he would but um so he showed he was serviceable um one of the moves today, in fact, they did cut Joe Dahl. Yep, I saw so, that. So he's not going to be – and and what Joe Dahl provided when he was here, he provided uh, just very impressive positional versatility where he could play any of the interior positions. I don't know. Maybe he could kick out to tackle in a pinch. Probably don't want him be doing that. But the point remains, you know, he was a very versatile guy and – it seemed like the 2019 season, he was kind of finding his footing and, like, getting ready to break into, like, a full-time starter role, and then last year, he just got beat out by Odeabushi. so it, it seemed like after that, it was, like, I don't know.
0: It would be kind of hard to rebound from losing Yeah, just a,
2: sort a, yeah. of a bleak outlook here in Detroit, so I, I don't know. I really liked Joe Dahl uh, in the 2019 season. I probably end up being wrong about this, but I did think he was going to be like similar to Graham Glasgow in, in his career production. But, um, but yeah, I think now, one thing I do want to bring up with the defensive line is um, because of the, the cap situation this year, where um, I think the official figure was like 180, 180? 82, maybe some around 180, uh, 180 million. And that was down, you know, almost like between fifteen and twenty million from last year. So that's very significant. And so what we've seen this year is we've seen a lot of just cuts that would not have been made um, other years. And and two of those uh, cuts, potential lion players who are on the along the defensive line, is Danny Shelton and Nick Williams. Now those two were your starting defensive tackles last year. You know. Um, Danny Shelton was more of the nose tackle, like run stuffer. Uh, Nick Williams provided a little bit more pass rush, but <laughs> didn't really do anything against the run. But um, so they are potential candidates for cap casualties. I um, I forget how much exactly they um, save by being cut, but I think um, I think Nick Williams is a no brainer. I think you need to cut him because. I, I mean, he obviously played significant snaps and he didn't lose his job, but he just isn't a plus defender in the NFL. And I think there are other avenues you could explore. Uh, Danny Shelton, on the other hand, I don't know. I, I'm of the camp that you shouldn't if you have a nose tackle in-house that can that can really like play well and you know he's huge, he fits the mold. I I like him. I want him to stay, but he is also a candidate for for getting the axe.
0: So you think so I mean with this season it doesn't it almost does seems like no matter who you are, you're in danger of being cut. Not not literally. There are obviously some untouchables, but man, we've seen some just absolute slaughtering around the NHL or NFL this entire week it's been rough. So Absolutely, do you think those yeah. are the two prime candidates then?
2: Um so they – I would say as of right now, I can't think of anybody else who was one of, the, like, the main main uh, cut candidates because we've already seen uh, Justin Coleman. They announced they were parting ways with him. Trufant, I think, might have been the first one. Yep. Um,
0: Both of those, mm- not shocking at all. Yeah,
2: and, and I think it was necessary. I think what uh, – just really quickly to touch on the cornerback situation – I think, um, you know, you could have kept Coleman if you believe that he can thrive under this new regime. You know, we have Aaron Glenn as a defensive coordinator, uh, previous Pro Bowl uh, defensive back in in his playing career, and then Aubrey Pleasant from the Rams. So, so we definitely, I think we have people who can develop uh, DBs. But I just don't think that, coleman was necessarily a priority i don't think they were prioritizing uh putting a lot of money and resources into the slot corner or nickel corner because you have guys that you can re-sign like uh uh, daryl roberts who who can play um slot so so yeah i think um we've almost seen the end of the (laughs) the gruesome just cuts yeah but um but, yeah, watch out for those two because there's no guarantee of their future on this Lions team.
0: Yeah, no, and and I actually love the way they're doing the rebuild right now. Um, it, it reminds me, like we were speaking earlier, Troy Weaver just obliterating the roster. I mean, they're tearing this roster apart. Uh, they're tearing it down from, from the walls, and I'm glad, I'm glad that the Ford family accepted that uh, because I was a little worried at the end of last year. Um, when they bought that they – could be playoff contenders. I don't think there is a realm where last year's Detroit roster excels in the playoffs, wins one playoff game. Yeah, no. I think the craziest, wacky scenario would have to lead them even getting into the playoffs, let alone winning a playoff game. So I'm glad that they realized that that roster was not good; it was frankly terrible. And I'm I'm glad they're finally tearing down from the walls.
1: Now we're entering the jared goff era in detroit we are going away from the stafford era and the lions have gotten jared goff a decent offensive line and stafford really struggled throughout his time in detroit with having good offensive players around him what moves do the lions have to make in free agency so jared goff can have success throughout the next couple of seasons
0: Wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> I mean
0: that their wide receiver core is the worst in the league. Almost, I'm.
2: Yeah, and and it went from it wasn't like a worst first situation, but you know, last year, more so the year before when Kenny Galladay played the entire season, but yep, the one-two punch of uh, Galladay, Galladay and, Jones, and Jones, and then Amendola in the uh, in the slot. Sorry, um, those. You know how quickly all that vanished, and now we're left with scraps. Yep. So obviously, um they...
0: Cephas <laughs> hey, I like quintess I do, I do. <laughs> but my God, when he's QB one in the room, I get start to get a little nervous. <laughs> um,
2: but yeah, um, I think I definitely think they're better suited um, going after that main target in in the draft. I I see Paul and Alex's face I'm faces sick. sinking. I'm because sick. they staunchly disagree, <sighs> I but, just... uh, let, let let me make my argument. Okay, okay. I mean, okay. It's it's gonna be a pretty basic argument, but uh, <laughs> this this class of receivers, you just you don't get this every year, you know, and and I think you truly have uh three guys who who are true first round like top fifteen talents, and anytime you have that and you have all of these teams that need a quarterback, you're in a situation where you don't need to draft a quarterback this year. So, if you know if you see a run on quarterbacks in the first four picks, I mean, in general, there are four uh, first round worthy quarterbacks. I mean,
0: I understand what you're saying for sure. I, I, wide receiver is such a need, and this is this is a very good year. I mean, there are so many guys at the top. It's going to be a fantastic year. It's just always a hard sell for me at the beginning of a rebuild. Uh, let's say this is even a year later. Let's say this is a couple years later. It's a lot easier for me to buy into getting a couple of skill guys to get your young quarterback going. But I with Jared Goff not being the future, I honestly don't care if he's throwing to players playing in a local Detroit high school team. I just I don't care about the, the receiving court this year. And I get what you're saying. I know we need skill position. I know we need wide receivers for the future, but man, it's it's just hard for me to start getting weapons right now.
2: Okay. What if Jared Goff was the future? Don't you dare. <laughs> Don't you dare. I mean, okay. Jared Goff is is a uh, Brad Holmes guy, you know?
0: I know. I, there are so I'm many
2: obvious you know, he you know, oh, this guy was pounding the table for Jared Goff, you know, we've heard all of this. But in reality, like they the, the the new regime has given us no reason to truly believe that um that they don't want to like really explore this option of Jared Goff being the guy for the future you know he's 26 years old
0: he, and uh, yeah he's 26 he led a team to the super bowl uh, you could make arguments about it, but anytime you lead a team to the super bowl i mean right I, i'm not i'm not going to trash talk the kid because I think Jared Goff gets a lot of hate, and he is a great quarterback. I mean, he is a fantastic quarterback. But a 26-year-old starting a roster rebuild this bad, it's just hard for me to get behind him being the future. I, I wonder if they're kind of they're trickery with, you know, we might go with Jared Goff. I wonder if that's more to get someone to trade up for him. Smokescreen. Yep. <laughs> I'm thinking this is a classic smoke screen. maybe. Oh, we might pick Justin Fields. Uh, let's say, let's say Fields or, uh, or God help us, Mac Jones falls to our spot. Let's say we pick him up.
1: I think what the Lions do in the first couple rounds is really going to tell us which direction they're going to go. If they draft multiple wide receivers in this draft, I think they're thinking about Jared Goff being the actual future. Especially if they draft a quarterback, they're not not thinking about Jared Goff being the future, but they are thinking about. This year's quarterback being the future. I would like them to do defense and go away from Jared Goff in a couple of years. But if he is lighting it up, then always keep the window open.
2: Okay, so let me ask: um, Do you think there are any defenders that are worth a a top ten pick? Because this year it's clear that offense reigns supreme. You know, all these top picks are going to be offensive players. So, so who? Is there anybody you would be comfortable picking um, at number seven?
1: I would be comfortable with the Lions picking defense in the first round unless they traded down to mid-first round, and I think that's what they should do because if everybody's going after wide receivers and quarterbacks and you're not really looking for one, why not trade down and so wait, get the you best trade... defensive
2: player? Oh, oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. Um, Yeah, I agree. I do want to trade down. Um, That's that's ideal. I was going to say, why don't you talk a little
0: bit about your feelings on trading down? Trading down is the best possible scenario. (laughs) I mean, they're just... I think we are going to see a run at quarterbacks this year. I think the Jets are going to pick up Zach Wilson, number two. And we'll talk more about this later as the draft approaches. We'll get into that a bit more. But I'm gonna give you a hint here. I think that the Jets are gonna go for a quarterback. I think Carolina is finally done with the bridge. I think they're gonna go to quarterback. If they don't get uh, Deshaun, I think then they pick up. A qu- I so, think that's a possibility. So okay, okay. So that uh, kind of opens the discussion
2: of: Do you think they're gonna trade up or do you think they're gonna stand pat? Because they have the number eight pick. We have number I think they trade up. You think so? I don't know if it's with us, but I think they trade up. Um, I know. Uh, Miami is also in like a kind of prime spot too trade so that's that would be a possibility yep
0: yep um, uh, to or uh, they're not in love with Tua they're, yeah they're not in love with him I I personally I think it's a bit early to start making judgment calls on him but like but I understand with with the amount of talent that's in this year's QB like this is a pretty talented room of QBs here right I mean I'm not sure <laughs> Mac Jones uh, I don't <laughs> I really don't I don't love that talent I mean I I think he's the most pro ready but i think that's it <laughs> i you think, think he has he's the, more pro ready than trevor lawrence i th- he's definitely not as talented as trevor lawrence okay maybe he's not as pro ready as trevor lawrence just because i see trevor lawrence as an outlier but in terms of just yeah. slotting into a team like the patriots or a, a team that already has a well established offensive system mac jones just seems like the guy <laughs> i don't know why he just has the just the just <laughs> slotting in and just yeah. Doing above average for the first three years and then stopping. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But answering your question earlier, a defensive player that I'm comfortable with them picking the top ten, I don't hate Micah Parsons. <laughs> I, I know a people. I had a backer. feeling you were going to say Micah Parsons. I love Micah Parsons. And I love – and with the amount of linebackers we have in the room now, I mean, we're going to have to pick up a linebacker. Absolutely. Why not make it? And, okay, my dream scenario, we stay at seven, but Panay Sewell falls to us. <laughs> I love him. Yes. I love him so much. Absolutely. But more realistically, I want to trade down.
2: Right. Um. I think – I don't think there are very many things that all three of us will agree on wholeheartedly, but no. I think this is one thing. Trading back as many times as you can. Oh. I think
0: all of it, us will just – Absolutely. Every – trade back as much as you can. Yep, absolutely. Stockpile these picks. Break the draft. I'm sorry. When you you have – Pull a Sam Presti. The draft this year, it's just – it's not – and I hate picking 5 through 10. I hate that because you get the – you have to like – you have the pressure of getting a top 10 talent, but you also can't play positional. You have to just go for the best talent sometimes. So, like, last year, the Lions get mocked for taking position because Mm -hmm. they were picking three. They needed cornerback, but picking cornerback at three is a little rough. I just – it's so hard picking at that when you need positions and you can't just pick the best player. It's just a hard spot. So, I agree. Just trade back. Um (laughs) So we kind of totally shifted into draft talk. Do you guys
2: want to continue this or do you want to kind of go back to the free agency talk? Let's,
0: let's save that for next week. We'll, we'll have like a draft spectacular of some sorts coming up where we'll really get in because I need to dive into some of the depth of the draft. I cannot wait for that personally. I know you have already done it, Ryan. I've been focused on the NHL draft because I'm a maniac. I'm a masochist. (laughs) So I focused on the NHL draft this year. Um, but we will definitely talk more in depth about that. I think that's a good conversation to have, though, and it shows you a little bit of our feelings because uh, we have quite the difference in philosophy about how we should go about drafting, for, for I think, for the most part. Yeah, and I
2: don't know. I, th- I think there's definitely some overlap, but, like, definitely, yeah, we don't agree no. on everything, which, you know— so f- how, how fun would draft coverage be if everybody
0: agreed on everything? No, no. The best part is hearing them yell at yeah. each other. So now <laughs> free agency, uh, for me at least a little less he hotly contested. Um, do you think they sh- – are they going to make any big pickups? Do you think they should well, sign any big
2: oh, – One thing I was going to say, uh, do you want to just go over like the the signings that have already happened? Just yeah, quickly? yeah. Because well, there, there are only two uh, new free agents. Oh, okay. Yeah, give um, us a – and those are uh, Tyrell Williams, receiver from the Oakland Raiders, and uh, Josh
0: Hill, tight end from the Saints. Um, I, 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 like, the Oakland one makes sense to me, I mean, because of how, yeah. we, we already spoke about how weak this wide receiver room is, but it's not one that excites me, I'll be honest. I
2: Okay, so one thing nice about Tyrell Williams, he does have positional versatility, and I know that... Everybody got annoyed with uh, Matt Patricia and their regime beating to death versatility and like only but you know it's it's still it it it'll a very much help. Skill. It's it, a
0: coveted skill in the NFL. Right. It's just in,
2: and in a receiving room as thin as the Lions, um, any type of versatility. Yep. Anybody who can go inside or outside, and I think. So what I think is gonna happen, I think you'll see um Tyrell Williams um, as an outside receiver or an ex receiver as they call them, I think. Um but I think he'll end up being the one or the two and and I personally think they'll draft a a like a slot receiver. I want them to draft two receivers, personally. <laughs> oh. I, I know that makes your blood boil, but I think I, I I think the the class is deep enough that you can really warrant a day two. Oh, I love a day two wide receiver pick.
0: Uh, a day two <laughs> receiver potentially
2: pick. Uh, uh, um, um in unison with a
0: day one pick. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. If they but pick. uh, <laughs> dude, I okay. The one wide receiver I can't have them pick is uh, who's who's the really skinny guy? Devonte Smith. Smith. I will go insane if they pick Devonte smith he is oh oh my gosh i he like Devonte smith dude he's my least favorite out of the top end talent in this draft he is the last i'm willing to bet with i i'd say go jamar chase i mean i think oh would, well, i'm also of that camp okay All i right. think
2: that's um kind of uh widely shared. consensus is consensus that jamar chase bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it's, but it's Eagles... not a consensus. I won't say that because, like, you know, some people even have Jalen Waddle over both of them, mm, and I, yeah,
0: I've seen that. I, I.
2: Well, I like Jalen Waddle too. I like <laughs> Jalen
0: Waddle more than Devonte Smith. I'll give you that. Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I could see that, and and I I think I'm kind of I haven't really made like my decision between those two between like the Alabama boys. I will have to definitely dive into a little more film. And, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, um, here we are talking about
0: draft again. <laughs> Dude, Let's get the, back to the free agent. The draft is intoxicating. <laughs> uh, so the tight end pickup from the Saints. Yeah, uh, Josh I mean, Hill. Obviously, you have the connection there with Brad Holmes. I think that's the biggest. Yeah, like, the biggest. And story. I
2: um, no connection with uh Dan Campbell.
0: Oh yeah, Dan Campbell, <laughs> head coach. My bad.
2: Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Josh Hill's role in um, New Orleans' offense. Um, so he was, so he's, he's a, he's a blocking guy primarily and kind of, you kind of expected them to go after a guy like that with, with, uh, Hawkinson and then Hunter Bryant as like, he's your other tight end, but he is a strictly a receiving tight end. Like he, he doesn't, he's not going to fit into those blocking. No, no, no. not at all. And, um, and so with Josh Hill, you get a guy who can just kind of get dirty and, and he can run block, he can pass block, um. He one interesting thing, um, he, uh, we might see him play a little bit
0: of like H back or or even like fullback. I could see that, especially in in this in his and, um, offense, Dan Campbell's offense.
2: Lord, don't pick up a fullback that is just a fullback. <laughs> we, I think we as a society have
0: progressed <laughs> past the need to hold a guy I that would is just them, a fullback. I would rather them draft a fullback in the seventh. <laughs> Than a wide receiver in the first, I swear to you, I swear to you, I cannot stand, but, but in all seriousness though, yeah, I I think that he's going to slot it. I mean, he fits like you were explaining. I didn't know that much about his play style in Mm -hmm. New Orleans, but that seems to fit how Dan Campbell is building his offense. He wants to be that rough. Mm -hmm. run it down your throat yeah i mean beat you up you know former tight end himself former blocking
2: tight end himself yeah that is that's the mantra this year yeah absolutely so so we'll see him definitely um in some double tight end looks or some i don't remember what the formations are called um but you know lining up as an h-back or even in like an eye formation or a um offset eye or just kind of versatility again going with that word in uh in all kind of facets of his game
1: now what do you think about the lions instead of drafting the receiver picking one up in free agency like a smith schuster or somebody
2: okay so so the thing is (laughs) today um a lot of the uh the potential number one receivers well i I don't know about a lot but a few of them are are off the market because this already isn't like a loaded uh top end receiver class like i think kenny galladay tops the list and you know obviously he's not a target that the lions are going after if if they are letting him walk um i know Corey davis just signed with the jets today he's gone which i actually would have loved to see him because he played at western but (laughs) um yeah so he's not an option anymore um you mentioned uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, I don't see that happening. He, and it's not like I wouldn't even hate it. I like the guy. Some of his antics sometimes are a little, I don't know, kitschy, I guess. But you don't like the TikTok moves. <laughs> you don't like. You don't love that. You don't I don't love that for the locker room. I wouldn't say I love it. <laughs> but it's not a great look. <laughs> but um, but I just. Based on what I've seen from him, I see him as a number two receiver. And yep. I don't think that they should be targeting a number two receiver that they're going to pay uh, north of you no, know, $10 million. I
0: honestly, I would hate – because the reason I – the only reason I don't want a receiver is because we'll have to pay him sooner. That's my only thing. And, that's, and that is why, like, I agree with you that they need to pick up a wide receiver, but I would hate it more if they picked up a wide receiver in free agency because that costs more. A free yeah, agency and- costs – A lot for receivers. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to jump the gun or anything. And
2: this is probably just a stupid proclamation, but I really think that some, uh, like a a Jamar Chase, is could really, honestly, just outproduce some of the top options in free agency. Now, that's,
0: I mean, that's
2: not necessarily like the the strongest bridge to stand on because you know they're rookies. (laughs) A lot of times, rookies are bad. Yeah, but. I, I do think that the, the floor case, for these guys are just so nah, high yeah. for me. Yeah, and personally, it,
0: this I, it is a really good and with a wide receiver free agency that isn't that deep and a, a draft class that is this deep, it's hard to argue that we should pay a boatload more for a receiver than nothing for a mm-hmm. uh, uh, someone who's going to be a part of your future most likely. Right. In a in a wide receiver. Yeah. So I get what you're saying there.
2: And and I, I will uh, to see your side. I have, at every single draft pick the Lions currently have, I have receivers that I want them to target. <laughs> so so I'm not, I am not like, you know, draft receiver or bust. Because, again, like we talked about, trading back would just be ideal. You know, you could, who knows, maybe you could trade back far enough where you could get an early second. or Or any second, for that matter. Just, that would be just... Awesome. That, yeah, that would be And and you know, there's a chance you can truly get like like a haul because of where all the quarterbacks are projected to fall. Now obviously on draft day things happen oh, yeah. and and you know, for all we know, Trey Lance could slip to 20. But as of right now, it certainly looks like like it it's going to be like a top 10, maybe 3 or 4 in the top 10. Yeah, I and mean the
0: the amount of quarterbacks that are rumored, there are some people who i mean zach wilson lately has been rocketing up the boards yeah. i yeah, mean he has been he's as close to a
2: consensus number two as we have
0: yep. yep that's for sure he is he is the closest thing and then you get a little murky when you get into those three because you talk yeah because about... you
2: got the dolphins who don't need a quarterback um and they are just <laughs> absolutely loaded when it comes to draft capital yep. they have been for so long and you know they, can they take they're, a couple
0: of those hits and misses. Yeah, but
2: to. and they're in a prime opportunity if they want to just load up even more and yep. and you know so that would be an awesome position to be in. But we do find <laughs> ourselves still. It, it Post- can be a lot Patricia. worse.
0: Patricia, that's <laughs> yeah. that. That'll do something to a team. Post Patricia, oh, we don't have to talk about good, that, Patricia. <laughs> good lord, that really did something to the team. All right, so let's move on from free agency a bit. We got the Lions coverage down. Let's, do, let's get into the roundtable a bit.
2: I'm very excited for this. I'm
0: excited for it, too. I think we've got a fun topic. For first episode, we wanted it to encapsulate Detroit sports of late. <laughs> and if you follow Detroit sports, you know that each of our teams are hot garbage. Each are at some stage of the rebuild. So my question is simple. Which team... Of the four major sports in Detroit is closest to contending. I'm going to let Paul go first. And what we're going to do, because this is going to get heated. I can already tell. I can see the look in Paul's eyes. This is going to get heated. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to have each of us give our opinion. We're not going to say anything else. And then we're going to let the chaos begin, all right? So, Paul, go ahead and
1: give me your first pick. My first pick is the – Tigers. And I was leaning between Tigers and Lions. I think the Pistons are like eight years away still. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) But the Tigers have some bright spots in their ERA and in their batting average. And they have one of the best farm systems in all of baseball. To me, they're basically – the Red Wings with just as good as Farm System but an actual better main roster so that's why I would pick the Tigers and they actually have veterans on their team like Miggy who can still do things but it's a very close battle
0: All right, so we just heard Paul's take now let's head on over to Ryan. Um, yeah, so I'm not going to, like,
2: I know we're saving kind of until the end to, uh, like, discuss each other's, but I, I agree with Paul in a sense. I think, um, I think MLB has a good or, or more of a favorable, like, tur- turnover rate just because of, I don't know, kind of like, some of the aspects that are less team-oriented and more like, you know, you got this ace pitcher, like, or you got, like, a crazy bullpen, like, baseball is one that can just, <clears throat> can, can change quickly, um, seemingly. However, um, all right. I might be impartial, but I think, okay, so this is my conditional pick. I think if the Pistons truly nail the next draft and get a, like, a transcendent player. Maybe not transcendent, but, like, you know, like, a a true building block. Somebody to truly, like, just kind of uh, catalyze this team. I don't know. I, I don't see any reason why uh, they couldn't um, just claw their way into, like, a lower seed in the next year or two and then – you know, just now that's not necessarily what I think will happen, but in terms of what's most likely to happen, like we've seen that before, we've seen kind of stuff like that. So, so I think uh, if Troy Weaver really is the uh, um, the eye for talent that he seems to be, um, I I don't see any reason why the Pistons couldn't uh, make a run for that that title.
0: All right. You guys ready for this? Hit me with it. The Lions. The Detroit Lions. Now, let me explain this pick to you. Okay. In terms of in the sport, the Lions are at the very farthest away. They just started their rebuild. They're just tearing down. Oh, yeah. But the reason I'm picking the Lions is the nature of the NFL. The NFL is built to turn around immediately. If we look at... I think we all here agree that the Red Wings... I know you guys don't necessarily know as much, but I think the Red Wings are farthest away. They don't have quite the core that Detroit is... Or that the Tigers are developing with their pitching. Um, I don't think I have to go into it much. They only have a defensive core. They don't have anything on offense. And in today's NHL, that's the most important position. Is your offense. Um... The Tigers, the problem with the Tigers is they're a couple injuries away from their entire future being destroyed. You know what I mean? The, yeah. In yeah. baseball, with their prospects and injuries, it's just so hard to hit on multiple. And I know it looks good now, but give it a couple months, and it might be a little different, even a couple months into the season. And lastly, the Pistons. I will concede or contend to you, they are. The closest to developing a core. They have the best young core in Detroit. I have no... I will not argue with her. I have no argument there. Mm-hmm. My argument is solely based on the fact that the NFL, from what I've seen, the head coaching... NBA. The, no, okay. I'm, I'm talking NFL right oh, okay, now. Okay, okay. Like, like, Sorry. No, you're good. Um, I'm going to get into NBA in just a second. But I, I just want to say what I'm arguing is that I am arguing for first Detroit's talent that they just drafted, or that they just got in terms of building around the team. Like the, uh, the manager. I love the general manager. I love their offensive coordinator, Anthony Lee, I love the defense. And the fact that the NFL, you can turn around within two years and be one of the best in the league. I mean, look at Jacksonville. Jacksonville is... One of the best examples of a team that, like, seems to turn it around every two or three years and be, fan- <laughs> like, really good. Like, in 2017, they had that little run. I mean, you just have teams that, for some reason, turn it around within two or three years. Yeah. Whereas, like, the NBA, you can have a good core for a while, and you just never get that superstar. You never get a Cade Cunningham in the upcoming draft. You never get that guy who just is a game-breaker in the NBA, and that's my argument.
2: Yeah. Um... Okay. Are we just gonna open it up to yeah. kind of? Okay, yeah, because I, I actually want to respond to that. Um, I I actually agree with just about everything you said. Um. I guess. I don't know. I guess I look at teams like the Memphis Grizzlies and I kind of just idealize the situation. So I. I agree that for for the Pistons to like. To be the answer to to this hypothetical. I think a lot of things would have to go right for them, you know. And and even with like the core that they have. I absolutely what you said like this game is is a it's a superstars game, you know. You need like what g- g- think of one contending team that doesn't have a, the, like a
0: The Pistons are in a pretty similar spot as the Red Wings right now except a little far forward. That's why that's why I agree that the Pistons cuz the, the the Red Wings have the start of a good core which is the, the Pistons have a good core. I I dare to say at this point already they have a good core and yeah. they just don't have the superstar talent I th- like like you're saying.
2: Yeah, um I think some fans would argue that that superstar talent is Jeremy Grant. I think he—I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, he could uh, elevate his game even more. But I do think he is best suited as, like, a really good two-option where, like, a guy who can do pretty much anything you want out there. But, like, isn't the person that you're just going to necessarily put the ball in at the—or—
0: put Put, the ball in their hands with 20 seconds left in a a, a game that decides a playoff series or decides going to the playoffs yeah and and i
2: don't i don't want to obviously this is our first taste of jeremy grant's expanded role and i don't want to like project anything onto his career outlook um but that's just kind of where i stand as far as that you know um just needing a, a superstar kind of to to be able to match up against the LeBrons and the Kevin Durant's and the Giannis's of the world. Yep,
0: the, the those teams that are built around superstars. It's, it's going to be hard for a young, especially young core. I know as they develop for sure, but it's going to be hard for them to really contend. Mm-hmm. And I want to speak to Paul's point. Like, I understand what he's saying. I think, honestly, all of these Detroit teams are in a solid position right now. I know it sucks because they're still going to be garbage for probably another two years. I mean, each team at least has two years. Yeah. But... I could see the Tigers. I could, I, I don't think Paul's take is unreasonable. I could see the Tigers being. They also have a solid core developing right now. uh it, like he was talking about. If that, it depends on the pitching room t- coming together, and that's why I didn't pick them. It's just because hitting on pitchers in the MLB is just so weird. Yeah. I just, I can't bet on that. <laughs> I think that's my biggest problem.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I picked the Tigers is because you see it in baseball all the time. Teams will go from first to worst or worst to first just about every season. And you won't even see a lot of roster changes. It's just the pitching coming together. It's that the hitting's coming together all of a sudden. Is that they're winning those one, two run games. While, especially like in the NBA, that takes a long time to get. A core. I mean, look at the Warriors. Look at the Heat. They had a big group of people to build a dynasty around. And if you can't get two, three great players, you're not going to compete at the top level. You might be a playoff team. You might win a series. But that's not really... Special when you have 16 teams going to the playoffs compared to 10.
0: Now, I kind of want to change the conversation a bit because we are talking pretty clearly. All of us are talking about playoffs right now, contending for like a playoff series. Mm-hmm. What about contending for championships? Does that change your answer at all? Um,
2: yeah. Um, the Pistons aren't going to be the first ones to win a championship. I don't think I... – basketball really i think the way they format their playoffs they really do set it up to be you know more or less the team that really deserves to go and yep. like the best team i don't know there you can make an argument for any sport probably but but yeah uh, nba championships are just
0: i th- i think if we're talking championship contention uh-huh that's why i switched to paul's because yeah. You'll see teams make a little run in the playoffs in the NFL, like I was making a, like I was talking about, but they don't necessarily get to the Lombardi. You know what I mean? It's rare right. when, like, you get a wild card, like the Giants in two thousand seven, when they just, were, you know, mm-hmm. you get those Cinderella stories. It's a little bit rare. Whereas, well, even in NHL, see, it's, for me, it's between the Red Wings and the Tigers, but I, I just think the Tigers are a little bit closer. So I think, I, I think they're going to be the first team to win a, a title. Detroit so okay so
2: let me clear this up so essentially you think that um kind of I guess the odds don't necessarily sway in either one just as the sport itself but because of the team the Tigers have that's why you're picking them yep because of
0: the team I think in terms of core development the Tigers are further along than the Red Wings essentially yep just because like I said um earlier in the podcast the Red Wings defense is the only core they have together. Mm-hmm. You know, they have Albert Johansson, they have Mo Sider, they have, um, Philip Heronik, who's still at, he's still so young. He's leading the team in points. He has time to develop. Um, don't, don't abandon a player like that just cause he has a rough season. But, Oh, what I'm getting at is I think the Tigers just have one of the better. They have, I don't know. They just, something about that pitching core. I really like it. I mean, Tariq Skubal has already looked great. Like we talked about earlier. Um, Casey might still has time to turn it around. He's a hell of a talent. He's a hell of a talent. Yeah. I'm... The and likelihood he's... that he stays mediocre is not
2: right. And and he still flashes his, uh, just his unbelievable like you know his stuff. His yep. Um, his splitter, which he's known for. Um.
0: Yeah. Every every once in a while, you'll see flashes that where he rips that. Yeah. He just needs to put put the pieces together.
2: Yeah. And part of it is just the command and the control of the game. But um. But, yeah, no, definitely I, I agree with what you were
1: saying there. Yeah, if we're talking about championships, uh, let's face it, the Pistons are two decades away from that. Uh, the Lions, they could make a run for the division somewhat in the future. It makes me want to pick the Lions because once you win a division in the NFL, it makes your odds going to the Super Bowl pretty much – all you have to do is win three games it's not that difficult you have to get very lucky but it is just a one game series it's not a seven game series like the other sports the issue is it's the lions and i think they're cursed and i don't think i'll ever see them win a championship (laughs) i think i'll see the other teams win multiple championships within the next 50 years but the Lions will never
0: i think you made some solid points there until you sounded like a just like a six-year-old who tweets same old lions on twitter all the time <laughs> i get what you're saying paul it it you know it rips my heart out and i think sol when i watch a game where they just they have it or they come so close or are they just losing the most lion sway fan like the atlanta game always comes to mind
2: the only game i couldn't watch last year because i was working
0: the i mean I, and i'm talking the one couple years ago Oh, okay. That one, Sorry. I mean, that one was bad, too. <laughs> yeah. Which terrible Atlanta loss. <laughs> uh, um, like, I get what you're saying, but that's not a valid argument. You're, you're making an argument based on Based on fairy tales. You're just saying, well, the Lions are cursed. They're never going to win. I know you're exaggerating. You're saying because they have a bad organization. But I think making arguments about past, past ownership, past leaders – past GMs I don't think that's a solid argument and I get what you're saying like I said I will be the first one to turn off the TV and yell same old lines after a terrible loss trust me especially immediately after a loss I get pretty fired up but I just don't think that's a valid argument with saying that's why that's what's stepping in their way it's not some ancient Kurtz it's the fact that it's hard to win a title in the NFL it's hard to become the Patriots it's hard to become Green Bay where you just become repeatedly contending and I think that about does it. Any other points we need made here? Nope. All right. Uh, no,
2: I'm pretty satisfied with that, uh, with the outcome
0: there. With that. Okay. All right. And for a second, we're just going to, at the end here, give our Twitter handles because uh, we're pretty active, each of us. Uh, fair warning. Um, mine are mostly Red Wings related. I write almost exclusively about the Red Wings. That's Alex Pick Faber. Uh, on Twitter, Paul mostly tweets weird lists. What's your, what's <laughs> your, uh, what's your app, Paul?
1: At Paul underscore Cassell. It does change from time to time. I'll try not to do that though. <laughs> Why don't
2: you spell Cassell? Cause even I, <laughs> I don't
1: spell, know how it how wrong. To spell that. K I S E L L.
0: All right. So no kiss Cassell. All right. Got yeah. it. Paul underscore Cassell with only one S go ahead, Ryan.
2: Uh, you can find me at, uh, ryan Colores, so it's r-y-a-n-c-o-l-o-r-e-s um i don't yeah um and then also be sure to um follow the motown megacast on twitter at m megacast
0: yeah we've been um we have been trying to kind of keep up with a couple of articles on there um essentially they're going to be what you find on the podcast just a little more detailed and written down um that way you can just you can kind of get their information, you can read it, essentially, get it a little uh, better. But anyways, yeah, that's our first episode. Next week, we're going to try and focus on draft, because that's fastly approaching April draft season. We're excited. We're going to be a little bit more about kind of our prospects, kind of our, our picks who we're looking for. We already delved into a little today, and it already got heated, and we didn't allow the debate. So so you got to tune in next week. All right, folks, it's gonna it's going to get rough. So thanks for listening. Check in next week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow the Motown Megacast on Twitter. And thank you for listening.